0: Welcome to the Wellspring Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from this Sunday's service. Y'all glad to be in church this morning? All right. Merry Christmas. (laughs) Hey, just a um, couple things before the word this morning. Um... Friday is Christmas Eve, and like Austin said at the beginning uh, of this uh, service, we have a Christmas Eve service at 5 p.m. All right, it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be awesome. There's going to be children singing. There's going to be Abby singing, and all this. It's going to be awesome, and uh, and so I would encourage you guys to come early. Um, It's at five o'clock. You're going to want to get a seat. Uh, It's just how it goes on Christmas Eve. We always expect it's going to be a packed house. So come, uh, get a seat, and we're going to just have a good time celebrating Jesus together. Amen? Awesome. Um, Another thing, Sunday... We will not be meeting in person because Saturday is Christmas, and we want everyone to be able to just enjoy your family. And so we are going to be having an online service at 10 am that you can just be able to sit around your TV at home and watch. We'll be streaming it on Facebook and uh, and also on YouTube. So uh, just come and worship with us with your family around the TV. It's going to be awesome. And so, Another thing is, because we are going to be preparing for our Christmas Eve service, this Wednesday night, we won't have prayer, nor the following Wednesday night. Um, we will be restarting on January 5th on our Wednesday night prayer, but I know I'm throwing a lot at you, and we're going to announce all of this like through social media so you can get this, but just want to let you know what's going on. January 9th is a Sunday morning. That is our two-year anniversary service. We will be two years old, so it's a birthday celebration. And um, and so we are going to be just celebrating together. We're going to be also at that service just talking about what we believe the Lord's doing this next year here, the Wellspring in our community. Um, We will be uh, having, on January 10th, our prayer room will be launching. And so that's going to be part of just us as what we're saying the Lord is doing next year, uh, which is gonna be Monday through Friday. It'll be a morning time and an evening time. And uh, and so it's gonna be an awesome season that we're stepping into as a church where we're just going to really be flooding our community with prayer. And we're gonna be uh, filling this house with praise. And it's gonna, uh, I believe, man, what happens whenever God's people really begin to seek him and begin to say, Lord, what's on your heart? And we align our hearts with his. I believe it changes everything. I believe uh, this region, is that we have already, I believe... Um, just I believe wherever God's people are and there is a praying people is that we get to see God's plan and his heart manifest in that place. And so that's what we, um, we've already been doing that, but we're saying, Lord, you're taking us to a new place, a new level, amen? And so I'm gonna be, there's gonna be more that we're gonna be sharing about that and uh, communicating with you guys. So uh, we love you. And this morning, uh, Pastor Nick is gonna be sharing with us. And so he's got a word for you. And so welcome him up and uh, get ready. Love you, bro. How's
1: everybody doing this morning? I got the big voice on today. How many in this room, when you heard that Christmas Eve is this week, completely just freaked out? (laughs) Amen. Amen. Like, I'm not finished shopping. I haven't started. For years before I was in ministry, I worked in in the jewelry business. All you men who have not bought your wife a gift yet, we love you this time of year. Because you show up, spend a lot of money for something big and shiny. Get out there, get your shopping done. But man, you know, we used to love doing Black Friday. Anybody like the Black Friday shopping? A couple people, the older you get, the more you're like, nah, you know, like, there's like a season in life where it's fun and then you just get old and gripe about it. But I remember I used to, I used to drop my wife off on Thanksgiving day at like 4 p.m. and pick her up Friday, 4 p.m. Whole 24 hours, shop till you drop. think she made it on the news one time. True story. I remember, man, you know, so, so what's really entertaining on, on the, the shopping, right, is the Black Friday is going to see how Walmart handles Black Friday. We're going to exercise that demon today. But uh, I, I just have to tell you, Laplace, Walmart, and those guys have a system in place. Like, look, you can grab anything you want and put it in your cart, but you cannot check that thing out until the proper time. You know, I I, I shopped there thinking, okay, this is easy. And then we went up to the Hammond Walmart one time for Black Friday shopping. That was a whole nother experience. It was like they had everything. It was like um, the, the saran wrapped. It's all wrapped up. It's in the aisles. And it's like everybody's counting down, like everybody's just standing at the gifts ready to go, right? And uh, it's about 10 minutes until it's time for them to start opening the presents. And I think a lady zipped her purse and that's all it took. It was pandemonium, like like, things start flying. The, the, The employees at Walmart just said, ah, they just got out of the way and let Black Friday shopping happen. You know what my pet peeve though is? It's not the crowds, like the whole Christmas, it's not the crowds. It's not the rude people who hate other people. It's the buggies in the parking lot. I just, it just bothers me when people don't push their buggy back to the cart. I'm, ju- I'm just saying, right? Like, come on, Mr. Louie over there is a gr- you know, my first job, I worked at Winn-Dixie and I was the bag boy and I went and got the buggies. Ever since I was 16 years old, it has been important to me to put the buggies back in the cart or back in the store. Yeah. Come on. That's integrity right there, right? I, uh, the other day I picked up my daughter from school and it was pouring raining and poor Reagan, she had to stand out in the rain and she was soaking wet and then we go to Carter's and we have an agreement. If I take her to Carter's, I have to buy her sushi. So she won't complain, but I got to buy her sushi. so. So I bought her sushi and we we got it and still drizzling outside, so trying to hurry in, hurry out. And we put all the all the groceries in the car, and I turn around, and there's my soaking wet daughter pushing the buggy back into the store in the rain. I was like, oh come on. I was like, I will I will claim every good habit my kids pick up for me. The bad ones, I don't know, I think they get that from the other side of the family. Hey, I want to talk to you today about the idea of going the extra mile. Going the extra mile. Let's pray. Lord, move me out of the way and speak to your people. Lord, let the revelation you've given me, Lord God, be imparted here today. Lord, I ask that you would have your way. Lord God, that you would knock any, any roadblock, Lord God, any stronghold that stands in the way, of us going the extra mile for those around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to start off in Matthew 5 today, verse 38. You've heard it said, you heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, then turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks of you and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. You know, I believe the Lord is doing something very specific in the church right now. I know that even last week as, as Pastor John spoke about having a, a critical spirit, I, I believe that a critical spirit is one of the main contributing factors to us not going the extra mile when serving other people. I, I believe it, that it, it's, it's one of the roadblocks that stops us from being able to express love to other people. I believe that it's, it's one of those things that, that we begin to, to argue out in our own mind of, they don't deserve that. They didn't earn that. And, and it's it's really a struggle within us to deny what Christ has actually called us to do. So if you're taking notes, you should, because it's not real until it's written down. Where's all my River City people? It's not real till it's there. You go. That's my people that came with me. You know, today I, I want to dig a little bit further. Into the same thing that the Lord's been saying, but today I want to talk about the fruit that is produced. See, when we have a critical spirit, there'll be a lack of fruit. But I want to talk about the, the fruit that is produced by God moving through us. You know, we've really been, the, the Lord's really been talking specifically to us through John 15. You're probably familiar with this verse. It says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me does not bear fruit. He takes it away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I believe that the Lord is pruning a critical spirit from his church. I believe that the Lord is, is cutting away all the things that aren't of him so the true expression of who Christ is can be shown through his body. I, I believe that's exactly what this scripture is talking about as he, he prunes those things away. Look, let, let, me, let me just be specific about this. Like our fruit, the, 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 the presence of God, the, the things that are seen by others, by God in our life is not just meant to be pretty, let me put it like this. The church is not meant to be a Christmas tree. It's not meant to be the actions that we do our decorations that hang on a tree so people can come by and think it looks pretty. No, the, the fruit in our lives is, is, is much more functional than that. It, it is what sustains us. It is what sustains those around us. It is the manifest presence of God here on earth that is expressed through mankind that shows others the love of Jesus. It is literally heaven on earth. The fruit in our lives is the presence of God, uh, heaven on earth. It's not just meant to look pretty. Serving others isn't always gonna look pretty. It's gonna be challenging. It's gonna be hard. But it's always, always good. You know, it's a major part of what God wants to do us, do through us. That's why there's such an attack on our ability to show love to others like that because that is one of the greatest expressions of Christ on earth. So the enemy will always try to attack Christ being shown on earth. Back to my scripture in in Matthew five for a moment, but it said in there, it said, "When, when someone forces you to go one mile, go two. What he's actually referring to is at this time that, that a Roman soldier could walk up to a Jewish man and tell him that the law, he was required by law to carry the Roman soldier's armor for one mile. But Jesus says, don't just carry it for one mile, carry it for two. See, the law says do this, but grace says do more. And, and we, we can begin to struggle. It's like, okay, I did what I had to do. I I, 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 is, is this enough? Is, is that the heart of, Christ? did, did Christ hang on the cross and say, are we done yet? Have we gotten there? Have, have, have I done enough yet? No, it was, it was a hundred percent, you know, uh, whenever I do marriage counseling with people, I always tell them, it's like, marriage is not 50-50. For some, at some point people begin to believe that. And that's why 50% of marriages end in divorce, Right? Marriage is 100% with no expectations in return. That way they can never let you down. You have to believe in God to sustain you and actually use your spouse to minister back to you. That is is what Christ did. He gave 100% of himself with no guarantee that any of us would ever respond to the love that he showed. That is what he's calling us to do. That is what grace does. The law says, just do enough. And what happens there is that we find out we didn't just do enough either. But grace says, go even further. Grace doesn't let us off the hook. It actually challenges us to be even better than what the law does. Let me, let me, just, uh, <laughs> let me just say this. Let me preface the rest of the message. At some point, all of us need to recharge from peopling. Okay? Like you have peopled enough, you're tired. You know, when resting blessed face begins to sit on you, it is time to go home and take a break and recharge the batteries. But what I would tell you is if you are constantly recharging your batteries and still feeling on on empty, you're probably doing it wrong. That's not what God has for you. That's not how what serving Him looks like. That's not what the kingdom of heaven looks like, and that's certainly not what He's called you to do. He's never called you to feel empty. He's called you to be full of His presence, the full of His love, and the overflow of that is that someone else gets blessed by you, going the extra mile. I want to jump to the Old Testament and, uh, and talk about a character for just a minute. That uh, he's one of my favorite characters. I identify with this man a lot. I actually took one of those biblical disc assessments years ago, and it was like, uh, it said that I would be a lot like Nehemiah, right? So I really, I enjoy the book of Nehemiah, so I wanted to share that with you today. I believe the Lord was speaking to me through it. But we can jump into Nehemiah, the first chapter, starting at verse 1. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hacaliah. Now it happened in the month of Chisve, Chislev, in the 20th year, I was in Susa, the capital, and Hani, one of my brothers, and some men from Judah came. And I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped and survived the captivity and about Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant here in the providence who survived the captivity are in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and the gates are burned with fire. When I heard this, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. He was, he was burdened by this news. You know, this really in the topic of my message today, but, but I do want you to understand that your ministry will be birthed out of your misery. The, the, the thing that bothers you is the thing that Christ is pointing you to to say that he wants you to be his presence in it. But Nehemiah hears this, he's burdened. He was the cupbearer to the king, which is actually exceptional for a Jewish man to have worked his way up the ranks to be trusted like that, his job. Uh, he, he was a good friend to the king. It would be ironic that his job would be this, but the, the, good, friend to the good friend to the king, his job was to, to drink the wine before the king. That way, if it was poisoned, he would die instead of the king. Great friend right there, Right. But he had, rose, he had rose to these ranks and he hears from his brothers that the walls have been burned down, the, the security of all of Jerusalem had fallen, right? It was the, the major part of what kept them safe wasn't there anymore. And it was because of their past failures and conflicts that they had no security. I would tell you in our lives, our past failures and conflicts leave us insecure, It it leaves us really in a place of not wanting to serve others because we were burned, because we were hurting from something that happened, or we just don't feel like we can. We feel like we're not good enough to do anything for them. I want you to know that the Lord has something so much better for you than that. You know, insecurities in our lives will lead to a, a critical spirit like we talked about. It'll, it'll, lead to the, it'll lead to preventing us from showing love to others and having major trust issues. i will have major, major trust issues. And the reason for it is that it's rooted in pain. It's rooted in an experience that, that we, we didn't like, right? And then we give a, a definition to it. And what begins to happen through that is we don't want to do that anymore. It's actually the definition of a stronghold is that we keep people at arm's length so that no one else can hurt us like what happened previously. <laughs> we used to, in, in the jewelry business, we used to have a saying, it was that uh, no act of kindness ever goes unpunished. It was like every single time that, that I had a piece of jewelry, and I did more with it than what I was asked to, the customer got upset about something. That, that that'll actually lead you to not wanting to do it anymore, won't it? You ever got bitten by trying to do something for someone else? It's like I didn't want to be here, <laughs> and you're paying the price for it. You know, I uh, uh, I never forget. This, this is a personal story to me, so just bear with me. Um, so we were foster parents. Like my, my son Dax is actually adopted through foster care. For the for the two years it took us to finish out the adoption, I actually couldn't say his name or have or show him on social media. So if I was preaching, I couldn't say his name. The first time we announced that at the at the mission, it was before we were like video broadcasting everything. So I had his picture up and I just called him Little Man. So Little Man stuck for years with him. But but in the process. Uh, not long after we got Dax, we had two teenage girls. Well, one was 12, but they were right there at teenage girls. Like when it comes to girls, 12 is teenager. They get get those teenager eyes. Y'all know what I'm talking about? The ones that look at you like you are completely an idiot. You know, like you have no clue what you're doing because 12 years on earth gives you so much life experience. But uh, these girls had been through so much. And we actually, uh, we had to keep them in hiding. Like, they, we couldn't even, like, they couldn't be on social media. And it wasn't just because of rules of foster care. It was actually because their guardians were on the run. So we had to, like, keep them hidden and, you know, t- tell two teenage girls they can't have their phone. Yeah, good luck with that. So, uh, so we have them at our house. And... and their upbringing was so different. So it's almost like you're trying to reprogram someone in love, right? Like, hey, you don't have to steal. I'll give it to you. What do you want? I'll, I'll go get it for you, you know? And, and just like, hey, no, we, we don't, we're not going to do that. Like, we're going to pay for our food. We're going to, you know, and really walking those things out in love. And then one day, one of the girls just walked up and she said, I know I'm a better person when I'm in your house, but I don't want to be that person. That That hurt. Now, not only did that happen, but we, we went to the foster care work and we we're like, look, you have to, you got, you got to move them. And they're like, well, we don't have to do anything. I'm like, jerk, you know, <laughs> and they're like, they're like, well, well, there's two weeks. Like, like, you, like you, you don't have to move them for two weeks. So I was like, whatever, man. So, uh, so there's two weeks and it was like excruciating, awkward two weeks and, uh, and we begin to let them go hang out with some friends just so they can get out the house. And, you know, we weren't, we weren't all over them all the time. And they actually begin to, to talk bad about us to our friends. And it was like, I don't have to have you. I don't have to love you. I, a lot of people talk about all the money you get, foster care. It ain't that much. You start feeding teenagers, it ain't a lot. They start talking... And, I, and, and that hurt. Like, like, that really hurt. It's like, I'm just sure. Foster care is one of the hardest ministries. I planted a church. Foster care is one of the hardest ministries, all right? And, and my, my daughter Emma comes to me and says, Dad, they're, like, they're talking bad about us. Like, you heard the things that they're saying. I said, yeah, baby, I, I did. She says, what are we going to do about it? And y'all, I got to tell you, this is a Holy Spirit moment because I'm not this sanctified or you know, smart, but I said, we're not going to do anything about it because they are merely the instrument by which we are serving God. What if, what if when it comes to going the extra mile, we had a change of perspective and begin to think, I'm not just doing it for this person, but I'm doing it for God. I think that's a very, very different perspective. It's a very, very different way of looking at serving others. You know, when we serve others, we will face discouragement. Some will come from within and some will be external, as we'll see in Nehemiah, the fourth chapter. Now, it came about when Samballot heard that we were rebuilding the wall. He became furious and angry and mocked the Jews He spoke in the presence of his brothers and wealthy men of Samaria and said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Are they going to restore it for themselves? Can they offer sacrifices? Can they finish in a day? Can they revive the stones from the dusty rubble, even the burned ones? Now, Tobiah the Ammonite said to him, even what they are building, if a fox should jump on it, he would break their stone wall down. You ever do something for somebody and have somebody ask, why are you doing that? And they just don't understand it. My good friend Ian told me a story a while back. He had some coworker who was going through a difficult time, and he would just sit and listen and just show the love. And and, and other people begin to ask, why do you listen to that guy? Why, 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 Why do you do that? It's because there's something on the inside that's different. There's a love on the inside that has an expression that shows on the outside in the form of fruit of the presence of God that we love other people through. And what those people were seeing was fruit. They just didn't recognize it because it didn't look pretty. It, it, It didn't look like what they expected. It wasn't a selfie while giving a dollar to a homeless person. It, it, it wasn't something that, that, that you stand around and brag about what you've done. No, it was just a moment where he stopped and listened to somebody who was hurting. Sometimes that's the only mile that someone needs from you is just to listen to what they're going through. You know, well, there's, there's gonna be other people who don't understand why we operate in the love that we do. And, and that's okay, Right? But at some point, they're going to want that love shown to them. At some point, they're going to wonder why. And at some point, they're going to, need to, they're going to need some of that for themselves. You know, honestly, that's why I believe, hey, cancel culture. Hey, they can keep canceling each other as much as they want. Because at some point, when everybody gets canceled, I believe revival is going to take place because everybody's going to start asking for forgiveness, yeah. right? Yeah. You look at anybody long enough, they go get canceled. That's just what it is, right? It's just what it is. I, I don't normally get into Facebook arguments with people. I try to avoid that with everything in me. I, I usually operate out of the idea that uh, if someone says something not worthy of a comment, don't give them one, right? But I had a friend, and look, I, these are political things. I'm not, like, email me, nick at thewallspringchurch.org, and we can talk about it later. But the point, just listen to a point of what I'm saying and I have a friend of mine who's very different politically than me, which I kind of enjoy reading some of his stuff because I just don't understand. I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand well, how he thinks that way. I don't understand how he came to that conclusion. It's almost like a case study for me, right? Like, what in your brain causes you to think that? I don't under, And I'm not even trying to make, like, I don't understand, you know? And he was talking about the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict. I know, just breathe, people. So there begins to be like 50 comments of like debate over gun control and critical race theory and everybody's like going to war with each other on Facebook. And I just went in and said, can somebody here just explain to me what critical race theory actually means? I've actually asked this question of a lot of people. If you do know, at nick at thewellspringchurch.org, please help me to understand. But no one else, it shut down the whole post. I actually came back in and apologized to all of them because they quit writing anything. I was like, I guess people just want to argue and call someone else names more than you want to operate in understanding. More than you want to understand why somebody feels that way, you just want to tell them how they're supposed to feel, right? That was a tough one for me because I was like, really? There's like 19 of y'all. And not one of you wants to have a good, like, and I'll start liking my comment. You ain't got to like it. Just reply to it. Like, tell me, like, have an understanding. Help me to understand why you think that way. (laughs) You know, uh, I I have this this saying, and and me and Suzanne, we love this saying. We heard it from Andy Stanley. He says, what does love require of me? When you're challenged and you're like, someone's asking something of you, and you're like, you don't deserve it. You aggravated me all day. That's ask the question, what does love require of me? Because love isn't an emotion, it's a decision. Ask any married person. You have to decide every single day that you're gonna love somebody. Some days are prettier than others. They got a lot of outward amens and the ones who didn't amen, I know you're amening on the inside and we have marriage counseling available for you. look, you'll have discouragement. You're also going to have to begin to walk in forgiveness of those who hurt you. I'm not not going to go to the text just for the sake of time, but in the fifth chapter of Nehemiah, uh, Nehemiah begins to call out some of the Jewish men for something called usserie. In us, what happens is, is that all these people, they escaped captivity and like none of them have anything. So these men are actually lending them money at a very high interest rate. And Nehemiah walked in and said, that's not right. You, you've seen what these people are going through. You're taking advantage of them right now. It's not right. And actually all of the men had a change of heart and just gave forgiveness of the loans. Hey, if you're going to serve others, you have to walk in forgiveness. It's a huge part of your sanctification process, which is the process of becoming more like Christ on earth. Forgiveness is such a major indicator of that. But you know, a lot of people, when they begin walking out that process of becoming more like Christ, they begin to ask the question, what's my calling? What's my call? What am am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to preach? Am I supposed to do videos? Am I supposed to do this, do that? let, Let me just make it real simple for you. Your calling is to go the extra mile. You, the, the extra mile, I would tell you that me loving people off this platform has brought more people to Christ than any sermon I've ever preached. It has shown the love of Christ to more people than any stage I've ever stood on and done because Christ, look, operating in your gifting is good, but operating in love is even better. That is what we're called to do is to operate in Love. Well, the enemy loves to—he loves to discourage. He also loves to distra- distract. Nehemiah six verse one. Now, when the report, when it was reported to Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, the Arab and the rest of the enemies, that they had re- that had rebuilt the wall and that no breach remained in it, although at that time I had not set up the doors and the gates. Then Sanballat and Geshem sent a message to me saying, come, let us meet together. And uh, Shepharim, I listened to it seven times. It happens to me every time. Like I keep listening to a word over and over and over again. And I get on stage, I can't pronounce it. So there you go. Shepharim, I think is it. In the, plain of ono, in the plain of Ono, but they were planning to harm me. So he said, oh no, right? I sent messengers to them. I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop when I, while I leave it and come down to you? They sent messengers to me four times in this manner and I answered them in the same way. Then Sambalot sent his servant to me in the same manner, a fifth time with an open letter in his hand. The, the reason why the letter was open so that, uh, that he wouldn't know who's already seen it. It's like somebody posted on Facebook about you, right? It was, it was a, a public thing. To let everyone know. And it was just a distraction. And and look, Pastor Devin preached this message maybe like 10 years ago, but it stuck with me so much, is that when you're doing the work of God, there will be distractions, but you have to have the mindset, I'm doing a good work and I will not come down. I will not get distracted by the things that are useless. I know what God has called me to do. I'm walking in what God has called me to do. I'm not sure where this is gonna go, but that's okay. But I am not coming down from this wall because the Lord has placed me here and I'm gonna do the work I've been called to do. Refuse, refuse distractions. You know, as a pastor, I get a lot of like theological questions. A lot of people are like, I just want something deeper, which normally means they just want to hear about the book of Revelations. And I don't understand what that means. I I really, I don't get it. Most of you in there are like, "It's exactly what I was thinking. I I don't, I don't, I don't Maybe I'm just that guy. But if it doesn't excite me to share the gospel, I don't have time for it. I, I just, I don't have time for it. Look, I enjoy, I enjoy science and understand science in the kingdom. Maybe you could care less about string theory and all those things, how the voice of God manifests on earth and that the Father thinks it, Jesus says it, and the Holy Spirit takes that and manifests in the physical matter. Maybe you don't care about that, but I get excited when I start learning about stuff like that, right? But if it doesn't excite you, leave it alone. Don't waste your time. I I know I just told the story about talking on Facebook, but don't waste your time. Look, I heard this. It's really funny. It says... Don't argue with an idiot because they'll drag you down to their level and beat you with experience. (laughs) Amen. Nehemiah chapter eight. Then Nehemiah, who is the governor and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people were weeping when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go and eat of the fat, drink of the sweet, and send portions to him who has nothing prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not be grieved. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Somebody received that. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You know, they're, they're, when, I, when I initially read it, I'm like, why'd they start crying? But I began to realize they were crying because they realized that they had come way short of the law, that they weren't doing the things that they were called to do. And they began to have remorse over their life, remorse over the things that they, they lacked to do. But he said in that moment, he's like, no, don't, don't, don't feel that way. The fact that you're feeling remorse means that, that, that you are actually allowing the Holy Spirit to do a work in you. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Hey, look, conviction's not always fun, but there's a joy of the Lord that can come through that, right? Like, like, like a change of heart, it's like a surgery and can be difficult, but the joy of the Lord is your strength. He says, don't weep for it, but celebrate this moment. And, and look, conviction had come to this people and that way we know that God was moving. And he said, let's celebrate the fact that God's moving right now. Let's not just sit here and say, I'm a terrible person, right? I'm just gonna sit in my shame and I'm gonna feel disgusted with the person I've become. No, no, no. The Lord is doing heart surgery in me right now. He's convicting me. The Lord is moving and we need to celebrate that. Look, that's, that's a very different way of looking at things. That's not the religious way of looking at things, but that the, that's the grace way of looking at things. You know, so, so a, lot of, a lot of times this, this whole struggle on going the extra mile when serving other people, we, 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 struggle, we struggle with this idea and, and it hurts because we just don't think that, we don't think that anything good can come of it right? Like, like it's not going to, we, we run through all the scenarios in our head of what it's, how is this going to end? How is this going to finish? And I want you to, it's not your job. Your job is just to be obedient to what God called you to do. A lot of people like they, they operate in this idea of just trying to find happiness, Right, and, and, and it's not happiness for me to begin to serve someone else. It's not happiness to be selfless. It's not happiness to, to put someone else's needs above mine. It's not, it's not happiness to take my time away from things I want to do and give that to someone else. That's not happiness. But the problem with happiness is it depends on what's happening and you don't always have control over what's happening. I would tell you that the joy of the Lord surpasses what's happening in happiness every day of the week and that which you would lay yourself down and become selfless for someone else and the joy of the Lord begins to come on you you walk in a strength you didn't know that you had it is the joy of the Lord is your strength the joy of the Lord is your strength happiness is subject to what's happening you have little control over that i'd much rather operate in something bigger I'd much rather operate in something so much bigger than that. I want to close with this. Sweet. Look, if you've listened to this message and you're like, you know, I've really struggled going the extra mile. Matter of fact, I don't have I haven't done it and I really don't want to. I want you to listen to what I'm about to tell you right now. Okay? Maybe you've had shame come over you and you're like, I've come so short. i come so short of what God's called me to do. Please listen. Matthew 20, 28 through 32. But what do you think? A man had two sons. He came to the first and said, son, go to work in the vineyard. And he said, I will not. But afterwards re- he regretted it and went. Then the man came to the second and said the same thing. I will, sir, but he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said the first one. Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you that tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of heaven before you. For John came to you in a way of righteousness and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and prostitutes did believe him. And you seeing this did not even feel remorse afterwards so as to believe him. Maybe you've said no. Maybe you've never gone the extra mile. I want you to know that the Lord can redeem that. You know, the, the, the first son, or the second son that said yes and didn't go, probably was looking for pretty fruit on a tree. He wanted to look good in front of his dad. But when it came down to it, the work in the vineyard wasn't, wasn't something fun. But, but the first son, he said no. For whatever reason, the conflict in him The words no came out, but he began to have remorse, like like the Lord began to to move on his heart. Look, the Lord does not condemn, he convicts. Condemnation is like, I'm a bad person. I can never do that. I give up, I quit, I'm out. But the Lord convicts. There's a remorse. There's there's a moment that that he begins to, to speak to our heart about what's been going on. And look, conviction is simply this. It is the Lord taking a thought that was a tension in our mind and in our heart, and he replaces it with something life-giving. Conviction isn't a bad thing. I was talking to somebody this week, and I was like, man, the Lord convicts me like three and four times a day on a good day. He was like, man, that must be terrible. I was like, no, it's freeing. It's freeing because he took something that I was arguing with myself about, and he gave me something life-giving in exchange. I, I think I'm pretty good at going the extra mile for people, but I've done it out of selfish reasons before. But every single time that I allowed the Lord to do a work in me, in the process of it, I never regretted it. And anytime I've ever regretted it is because I was looking for all the glory and I was looking for the reward. But at some point, you don't get the, good job, the slap, slap on the back. You don't get the reward that you want from somebody. You simply quit doing it. But if the joy of the Lord is our strength, if, if, if even when we said no, we, we begin to have remorse and be like, the, the Lord begins to, to work out that tension in our mind and replace it with something life-giving, you've just repented. You've just had a a change in mind that leads you to show the love of Christ to others. But it takes trust in God. I mentioned earlier that we were foster parents. Our son Dax came through the foster care system. When we first got him, um, man, I don't have time to tell you the whole story, but when we first got him, um, I've I've never seen a two-year-old that knew how to fight. But this dude, if he saw food, it was on. He would kick you. He would bite you. He, w- he would do anything he could to get to that food. So when we first got him, it was like we had to give him food all day. Continually, just give him food. Just, we always had food out. And when, we, when we'd have dinner time, I, I'm t- like it, was, it was somewhat feral of a child. Like we'd put a plate at the table in his spot. And, and he would make his way to a spot and he'd eat, but he'd have to keep having food because he didn't trust when he'd get his next meal. And eventually what would happen is that he would, he'd begin to understand that, that there was always a plate for him. There was always food for him. That his parents always fed him. And he began to grow in trust of us. And now he's a normal eight-year-old that only wants candy I can't make that kid eat healthy food. He does like fruits. He'll turn into a grape. But, but, but it, it took walking that out in trust. I would tell you that if you just begin to be selfless and to serve other people, I know there's a tension in here. I know they don't deserve it. But as Christians, if we just gave people what they deserve, we're not very good Christians. Simple as that. But if we we would just walk out loving others in that way, a selfless way, and just trust God. You probably don't feel like it, but, but just trust Him. You'll begin to receive the joy of the Lord. And you'll be strengthened. And the next time you get an opportunity, you'll be excited about it. Before you know it, there'll be fruit in your life that people around you's lives have been changed by the presence of Christ merely because you went the extra mile to show him love. Uh, Let's finish with Matthew 5, where we started. Verse i I'm picking up where we left off, verse 43. Now you've heard it was said, I shall love your neighbor. You, shall, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I said, you love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than doing? than others, they're not even Gentiles do the same. Therefore, you are perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. We, we are perfected in Christ. I, I would tell you that the moment that you begin to operate, uh, serving others as unto the Lord, rather than working for man is the moment that you find ultimate freedom. Freedom is you being the person that you are created and redeemed to be. I tell you, that's who you're created to be. I pray for you. Lord, I thank you for this word. Lord, I thank you. And we are honored with the ability to show your love here on earth. Lord God, to take dominion and be your presence, Lord God, to be a piece of heaven on earth. Lord, those of us who have, who have been discouraged, Lord God, that we've, we've been hurt, we've been burned before by somebody. Lord, we speak healing in Jesus' name. Lord, I ask that you would mend that place, Lord God, that is hurt, that is burdened. Lord God, I'd ask you, help us to identify distractions for what they are. Lord, that we would have focus on what you're calling us to do, loving others. Lord, I I just feel in this moment that maybe there, there, there is somebody in this room that's been far from you. Lord God, you've been tugging on their heart I want you to understand that that, that tug that you feel. It's not a heaviness, it's not a sorrow. It's a loving God who says, I wanna take all the tension that you've had in your heart and I wanna replace that with something so life-giving. Lord God, we thank you that you take a hardened heart, Lord God, that you soften it. Lord God, today we accept the forgiveness, the redemption that you give us. Lord, lead us today as our Lord, as our Savior. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
0: Thank you for tuning in to our Sermon of the Week. For more information, please visit us at thewellspringchurch.org.